That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. And good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2 where we take on the top issues of the week. On the right, John Hancock. Good morning. On the left is Michael Kelly. Hello. And I'm Andy Banker. On the agenda this morning is the ghost of former circuit attorney Kim Gardner haunting St. Louis. There's a new top prosecutor, but violent crime suspects are still going free. New revelations about President Biden and his son Hunter lead to new talk of impeachment among Republicans. It appears former President Donald Trump is in even deeper trouble with more legal defeats and most likely another federal indictment coming his way. And Missouri singer-songwriter Sheryl Crow weighs in on the sudden small-town country music hysteria. It's our quote of the week. Also, an Illinois Supreme Court decision will set thousands of dangerous criminal suspects free in the St. Louis area and across the state. But we begin with the Missouri Supreme Court decision. Dealing a blow to Republican State Attorney General Andrew Bailey, Bailey is trying to keep Missouri voters from being able to vote on whether abortion should be legal in is whether one person can deny more than six million people in our state the chance for an up or down vote on whether to modify the Constitution to enshrine rights. The state Supreme Court ordered Bailey to allow an initiative petition drive to move forward to potentially put the abortion issue before voters on the same ballot as the presidential election November 24. Bailey questioned the estimated cost to taxpayers if the issue is approved and becomes law even though that estimate came from state auditor Scott Fitzpatrick, a fellow Republican. And he also said that coming up with such estimates, or well, coming up with those estimates is the auditor's job. Under Missouri's abortion trigger law, a total ban went into effect when the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision more than a year ago. John, is Bailey right or wrong to try to keep voters from deciding this matter? Well, the court obviously ruled that uh, this needs to proceed. There is a fiscal note prepared by the auditor. That's the auditor's job. Uh, so I think the legal side of this thing is pretty clear. The political side of it, though, for Andrew Bailey, he's in a difficult, challenging primary campaign for attorney general next year. And I think he made the decision, and he is stridently pro-life, I think he made the decision that the politics of this uh, will work to his benefit. Is that what this is all about? Politics? Does it really have anything to do with cost estimates? No, it totally is about politics. And, you know, we're, we're, we're now in our second attorney general who's using that office to run for office and not necessarily applying the law, but applying what's good for Republicans. Look, if this abortion bill gets to the voters, it's going to pass. Like so many of these bills that the Republicans try to stifle and keeping people the opportunity to vote on them. Why they want to continue to keep people from expressing their own voices seems very contradictory to their normal rhetoric. Every attorney general in the country uses their office politically. Uh, this is not unique to Andrew Bailey. It's not unique to Missouri. And uh, he is pursuing, and, and look, this is his position on the question of abortion. And I think, you know, I'm not going to question his motives. He 
I'm sure had a legitimate reason to pursue that fiscal note controversy, but he lost in court, and uh, he's going to comply with that court ruling, which is what he should do. Well, one of the claims was that abortion will kill future taxpayers. <laughs> so he was calculating that into the cost. Is that... Well, I wish he'd take that same assessment to guns and the legalization of guns in Missouri because that's killing a lot of taxpayers in Missouri. After winning mostly high praise during his first weeks in office, St. Louis's new top prosecutor, the circuit attorney Gabe Gore, is hitting troubled waters now. His supporters say that's because he's riding in the wake of his predecessor, Kim Gardner. She left a backlog of thousands of cases that go back years, stemming from COVID, court shutdowns, plus the alarmingly high attorney turnover and dysfunction in the office under her leadership. Multiple violent criminals, including accused killers, are going free or getting plea deals because witnesses are no longer cooperating, have been killed, or have otherwise died. The cases are falling apart. Now, Gore has built a team of experienced prosecutors and instituted reforms. He says will keep this from happening in the future. Is that enough, Michael? Does he need to find a way to do more? for the victims, no matter who was the circuit attorney when those crimes was committed. I think he is doing everything he can, and time's against him, right? This is kind of like playing a board game. You don't get to pass, go and collect $200 without working your way around the board. He's jumping in in the very last second on many of these crimes where the work hasn't been done. Uh, this is going to be a consequence of what we're dealing with Kim Gardner for several more months, but I'm confident it won't continue as we go forward. Yeah, if, we, if he does this right, the people will go directly to jail and not pass go, and not collect $200. But you can't lay this at Gabe Gore's feet. Uh, these are mistakes that Kim Gardner's office made. They let these cases languish. Now there's no witnesses. If you don't have a case, you don't have a case. And uh, he's got to make those assessments. He's doing so. He's professionally staffing the office. I have every confidence that over time, uh, this is going to get a lot better. The mother of one of the murder victims, a 21-year-old young woman, uh, the killers, the case against the accused killers got, you know, they got dropped. She said at least Gabe Gore called me into the office to break the news. Yeah, I can't imagine what these families are going through. Uh, they're having to relive it all over again. And then the outcome is because of somebody's incompetence, your daughter's killer's going free. It must be sickening. One of the complaints against Gardner was that she really didn't have much sympathy for the victims of crime. Didn't hear a lot about the victims of crime during her tenure in that office, and I think the focus on victims is appropriate and welcome. As the mayor of St. Louis continues to point fingers at Republican state lawmakers in Jefferson City, St. Louis Alderman actually do something about the proliferations of, proliferation of guns on city streets. A bill that requires anyone who openly carries a firearm in the city must have a concealed carry permit has just been passed by the Board of Aldermen. You have to be 19 to have a permit. Legal experts say such a law is allowed under the Missouri Constitution. The bill's sponsor, Alderwoman Kara Spencer, says it will allow police to disarm those who open carry without permits. Mayor Tashara Jones has yet to say whether she'll sign it. Spencer nearly beat Jones in the last mayor's race and is likely to run against her again. The mayor's father, former Comptroller Vervis Jones, who went to prison after pleading guilty to tax fraud, in an election money laundering case all those years ago, says the bill is somehow racist. Michael, are there legitimate concerns about this bill from the mayor's point of view? No, other than it doesn't line up with her rhetoric. Uh, I think the mayor will ultimately sign this bill. It passed unanimously through the Board of Aldermen. These folks don't agree on much, but they passed this unanimously. Look, 
One of the criticisms of this bill is that it's likely window dressing. It doesn't really fix a lot of the problems, but it does send the message and hopefully starts to push back on this lawlessness problem that we have in Jefferson City, I mean, in the city of St. Louis. Furthermore, it puts a spotlight on the fact that Jefferson City continues to ignore the plight of the gun situation that we have in the urban areas. Unfortunately, I think when the legislators show back up, they're going to be using Mayor Jones's own rhetoric against herself, saying bills like this don't make a difference. She has a leadership role uh, in a national group of mayors to do something about gun violence. And here this is on her desk. And yeah. she won't say, yeah, I'll she'll, sign it. She's right? going to sign it. Uh, I think she's going to sign it. it this isn't going to do much. Uh, it might it might result in people no longer carrying AK-47s out in the open on, at midnight down Market Street. Uh, I don't know that that's really the nexus of what the crime problem is. Crime problem is illegal handguns in the hands of criminals. Uh, you know, that needs to be, those laws need to be enforced. And those people that use a gun in the commission of a crime need to face the stiffer penalties that the law requires and even federal penalties uh, that are possible and we've got to start taking these people off the streets. The mayor's father calls it racist on Twitter. Well, again and again. the mayor's father calls everything racist. I um, mean, if you follow his Twitter, he calls anyone and everyone racist. Uh, look, he has no credibility with me, so we'll let him say what he wants. Prosecutors in neighboring Illinois are in an uproar after a state Supreme Court ruling there. They say it will free thousands of dangerous criminal suspects as they await trial. The court upheld the so-called Safety Act. On November 18th, Illinois will become the first state to completely eliminate cash bail. Judges can still order suspects held with no bail in violent offenses, but they have to show cause. That was a 5-2 court decision. All five in the majority are Democrats. This is a hallmark uh, issue for Democrat Governor J.B. Pritzker. Michael, this will no doubt set dangerous criminal suspects free. Why are Democrats in favor of that? Well, many of the downstate Democrats aren't. Uh, this is being pushed by the Chicago contingent of the Democratic Party, who kind of has that same progressive ilk that we have here in St. Louis. I think there is some definite wiggle room on what we're doing with bail, and there's been onerous bails put on folks in the past. But to universally drop this, I think, is a failed policy, and I support the downstate Democrats who are saying, wait a minute, let's have some common sense. Concerns about this, especially in, I mean, you yeah. know, the criminals don't just stop at the uh, Mississippi River. No, they, in they, Illinois, they come I, to this they, side, too. They flee right over here all the time. You know, it's almost as if some people just want to have the criminals on the street. I mean, I, I, it makes no sense to me. Violent offenders, people that go out and commit heinous, violent crimes, need to be locked up. They need to have bail requirements set very high. And uh, this, you know, if you, if you arrest somebody for, I don't know if there's a drug offense anymore you can get arrested for, but, I mean, there are some nonviolent offenses where this is probably fine. But for violent criminals, and to have a blanket policy of doing away with a tool of law enforcement, which cash bail is, uh, is dangerous. Up next, from IRS whistleblowers to a new FBI document, just how much trouble are President Biden and his son Hunter in? Will they be in? Should they be in? To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Two IRS investigators, so-called whistleblowers, appeared before the House Oversight Committee looking into the alleged Hunter Biden influence peddling case. 
Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. A number of times we were not able to follow the facts. The two men testified under oath that federal prosecutors blocked investigators from looking into President Biden's involvement in his son Hunter's alleged misdeeds, namely selling access to his father to foreign entities for tens of millions of dollars. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa has also released an internal unverified FBI document that reportedly shows the CEO of Burisma Energy in Ukraine paid bribes to the Bidens and put Hunter on the company's board. Burisma officials thought Hunter was not intelligent, actually calling him stupid, but they agreed to keep him on the board because of access to his father, according to the document. Michael, why do Democrats who relentlessly pursued unproven connections between Russia and the Trump campaign in 2016 see nothing wrong here? Oh, I don't know that that's the case. I think there's an investigation going on. The fact of the matter is, is they're not putting up any facts. You've got two folks who are saying some stuff, uh, and they're saying that they were stopped by their bosses from being able to pursue this. Well, bring the bosses into the room. Let's ask them the questions as to why these whistleblowers brought this up. Why did you tamp this down? I think the reality is there's nothing here. Don't look for Democrats to defend Hunter Biden. If he's a bad dude and he violated the law, throw him in jail. But if this is just some continued made-up narrative with no proof to try to soil the president, then it ought to be exposed for what it is, and that's essentially what we're seeing right now in Congress. He's going to plead or make his first court appearance on two misdemeanors for all of this business. Well, there's two things going on here. So you've got, you've got investigators who are at odds with prosecutors over charges. That's fairly commonplace. That, that doesn't concern me all that much. The Burisma situation, though, uh, if the allegations are true, if they paid $5 million to Hunter Biden, put him on their board at a lot of money a month, and paid $5 million to Joe Biden, the question then becomes, did it happen and in exchange for what? Uh, and that's what it takes to find a bribery uh, case. You get paid off in exchange for like quid pro quo. That is bribery. And, and if that's what's going on here, it's very serious. We've not seen enough yet, but that is worth pursuing. We're lacking evidence in all of this, though. We've got a lot of talk, no evidence. The president and fellow Democrats also face new concerns about their views on Israel, along with the president's physical and cognitive capabilities. And we brought Israelis and Palestinians together at a political level, and they are, uh, and, uh, at the, uh, and the president repeatedly mumbled through portions of prepared remarks he tried to read from notes on his lap after meeting with Israeli President Isaac Herzog. Also, Democrat Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington emphatically called Israel a racist state last weekend. House Republicans then passed a resolution reaffirming U.S. support for Israel. Only nine people voted against it, all of them Democrats, including Cori Bush of St. Louis. Jayapal actually supported the resolution supporting Israel, having apologized for her earlier remarks. John, can Israel put trust in the Democrat Party and Democrat leadership in the United States? Well, there's always been a pretty strong pro-Hezbollah faction in the Democratic Party, and they're personified now by this progressive caucus, the nine that voted against the resolution. Support of Israel should be sacrosanct policy for the United States. Uh, they are our only Democratic ally in the Middle East, a very important region and volatile region in the world. 
uh, we need to support Israel and, uh, and things like rhetoric like that, calling them racist is not helpful. They're a democracy. What do you think? Lots to unpack here. Uh, first of all, John's right. Support of Israel shouldn't be in question, uh, nor should support of Ukraine be in question. We have a Democratic Party that's against Israel. We have a Republican Party that's pro-Russia. I don't understand what world I'm living in these days. It's time for us to wake up and, and get these conspiracy theories out of our head. In terms of the president mumbling, it's a problem. We're two years away from an election, um, and this president has to be able to make the case that he can lead this country for the next four years. And the performances like that don't reflect good for President Biden. Fortunately, he's going to have a ridiculous opponent. I think it's still entirely possible he doesn't make it to the finish line as the Democratic nominee. We'll see. We'll see if Donald Trump does as well. That's coming up on Hancock and Kelly. His legal troubles keep getting deeper and deeper. Also, our quote of the week comes amid all the kerfluffle over country star Jason Aldean's new song about small town justice. Welcome back. Former President Trump has just suffered a troubling string of legal defeats. He's already been indicted in the case of alleged hush payments made to porn star Stormy Daniels. He's been indicted for illegally keeping classified documents at his Florida estate. Now he's the target of an investigation into the January 6th Capitol riot and efforts to overturn the 2020 election. An indictment in that case is expected within weeks. Also, a judge has set a trial date in May of 2024 for the documents case. Mr. Trump wanted that delayed until after the election. Finally, a judge denied his request for a new trial in a civil sex assault case in which a jury awarded $5 million to, to the alleged victim of an incident in a New York department store nearly 30 <laughs> years ago. John, does this guy get your vote for president? Well, he's going to get a lot of votes for president, I think, as this thing plays out. Now, what we don't know is what else is coming. Uh, we neglected to mention the, the Manhattan uh, case, the New York Attorney General case against the Trump Organization, a separate uh, legal situation. Uh, haven't seen any indictment out of January 6th. Looks like it's coming. There could be additional indictments related to the documents uh, yet to come. If that trial does start in May, we will be far enough through the primary season that we'll know probably who the nominee is by that point, and it very well could be Donald Trump. Uh, does he then get a delay in that trial because he's a major party nominee for president? I don't know. But as we sit here today, uh, I think Donald Trump's probably going to be the Republican nominee for, for 2024, and I don't think that's a good recipe if you want to win. Doesn't the weight of this start to matter in the eyes of voters at some point? Yeah, you would think. I mean, January 6th alone, that, I think that particular prosecution is going to be interesting because while we may not understand business dealings, we may not understand legal documents, we all watched what happened on January 6th. We saw a speech. I don't get what's going on with the Republicans continue to embrace this. What's that old line, uh, mess around and find out? I think Donald Trump's finding out. He's messed around enough and they're holding him accountable. A new song from country singer Jason Aldean is certainly stirring things up. The song is called Try That in a Small Town. The lyrics decry violent crimes like carjackings along with disrespect for police and the American flag. It celebrates good old boys and the gun dad, granddad gave me, daring criminals who may get away with violent crimes in a city to come try it in a small town and see what happens. Leftists say the song encourages violence, even calling it racist. One even says it somehow invites lynching. Our quote of the week is from famed singer-songwriter 
Cheryl Crow, who hails from the Boot Heel in Missouri, she blasted Aldine on Twitter saying, I'm from a small town. There's nothing small town or American about promoting violence. It's just lame. Jump ball. Who wants in? I will. Uh, I mean, I think this is, uh, uh, first of all, I appreciated what Cheryl Crow said. Jason Aldean, let's remember, he was the guy who was on stage when the mass shooting took, in the car took place in Las Vegas. Right. He has a lot of tough talk in this music. You know what he did? He went and ran for cover. Uh, Jason Aldean is a lot like uh, so many of these people who are caught up in this culture war and not caring about the humanity of others. It was the video that was particularly disgusting. John? Well, in light of a culture that has produced rap music that calls for raping women and uh, brutalized violence, uh, this seems a little pale in comparison to me. Uh, I think Jason Aldean, I'm not a fan of Jason Aldean's. What was that song Michael just quoted, Mess Around and Find Out? That's, probably, the words. that's probably what he should have called this song, Mess <laughs> Around and Find Out. He'd probably be okay right now. Final thoughts are next. First, a beautiful shot from Bomberito.com Drone Fox of Forest Park. Can we really be near the end of another fabulous season at the Munich?